Well, good morning. Yay. Mike's awake. <laughs> He's like, I'm here. We all got drizzled on coming in, so it's like we're trying to shake that off. The fall, it's a little cooler, too. So, yeah, good day today, right? And uh, got a couple of things going on. I just wanted to make you aware before I get started. You'll be praying for um, our family. Uh, my great uncle, his name's Jimmy. Uh, he is going to be with the Lord soon. So uh, my mom and dad are with him in College Station, Texas, and uh, just a great, great guy. I'm a great man of faith. So I'll be praying for us and um, thinking of him, Uncle Jimmy. He was so, uh, yeah. Well, today uh, we'll be in our series. You go ahead and turn your Bibles to Second Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. And um, if you're online with us, then welcome. My name is Michael. I'm the pastor, okay? <clears throat> So today we'll be talking about evaluation in 2 Timothy. We've been in this series, believe it or not, it's been one of the longer series that I've done since we've been at the church. It's been over three years now. We've been in it for like 22 weeks. Some of you are like, I know. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's time to do something different. Uh, others go, man, I can't believe the time has passed so quickly in 2 Timothy, uh, and first and 2 Timothy. And so I've really enjoyed it. And um, as you know, setting changes for Paul, First Timothy, he's, he's free. He's writing freely. He's going around doing ministry. In Second Timothy, uh, he finds himself in uh, incarceration, and he's basically awaiting uh, his soon and coming death. And so um, in that position, you might be thinking a number of things, but Paul is thinking about the church. He's thinking about Timothy, and he's thinking about how to help us um, through what God has given him. And in that, we find an evaluation. Now, when we hear those words or we hear that word evaluation, sometimes there's anxiety in our minds that comes up. Or maybe, you know, for our students in the room, you might think of like a test, right? So that'd be something similar. Like, oh, no, I got that test tomorrow. I got to be studying for it. Or maybe it's for work and you know you've got that performance evaluation that's coming up and you're going to, you know, I've got to do well on this, right? I want to keep my job. And so we all have those kind of different um, ideas or things that pop into our mind. But when it comes to an evaluation of our faith, um, maybe for some of us we go, oh, yeah, you know, there's no problem there. If you know, I were to have a conversation with God today, I think I'd be doing you know, most of the things that I'm supposed to be doing. Or maybe for others of us we'd go, oh, I, I don't know. Like I have a lot of anxiety, maybe like around a job situation for, for, for the same in your faith. And so everyone goes through evaluations of different kinds. Uh, maybe you are getting ready <clears throat> for something that's coming up and you go, I, I don't know if I am ready. Well, an evaluation will tell you if you are. And then the phrase I want us to remember is work approved by God. Work approved by God. The simple answer to being evaluated or maybe look, taking a look at our faith, maybe taking a deeper look is what is the work that God approves of? And then we should focus on that, okay? Um, so let's go ahead and jump into it. Second Timothy 2, um, chapter, yeah, chapter 2, verses 14 through 19, we'll take a first look at. Uh, and this first idea is the best practice. The best practice maybe. You're in a sport right now. Uh, I was just talking to some of our young people about that. Um, Al, you got a volleyball game coming up, right? So you're getting ready for that. You're like, I hope I'm ready because when the game comes, there's going to be an evaluation of ability, right? Of not just talent, but of practice. Um, I grew up uh, with my dad. He was a uh, tennis coach for a long time, retired a few years ago. 
And um, I, was, I always remember going to the tennis courts. He taught at the, uh, uh, the high school and the college level. And when I, it was one of my favorite things to do. I got to go and be the ball boy. So during practice, when I'm watching all these, you know, all these guys uh, play, I would get to run back and forth across the court. you think that would be you know, monotonous, but I loved it. And so I got to hang around while the guys were practicing. And so it just made me think of this. Because there's things that we should be practicing and things we should be avoiding in our Christian walk. And so one of the things is to avoid fighting over words that don't matter, right? Um, <clears throat> now here in the text in verse 14, it says, Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Now, <clears throat> when you see that word for words, you may go, well, what words are we not supposed to uh, fight or quarrel over? What words actually ruin us. What, bring to, what, what type of words bring destruction? Well, when you read it in the English, it's kind of confusing, okay? Um, <clears throat> 11, the Greek and the Hebrew and the original languages of the Bible, uh, when you see the word word, it, it might be five or six different actual meanings. So this word for word is the lalagomahe, and it just means uh, words that don't matter. <clears throat> so there are a lot of things that in the church that, that were going on, ideas and things people were bringing up, or maybe arguments they were bringing into church from like business or the secular world. And so when they walked into that place together, um, Paul was going, hey, this really isn't something we should be doing. We shouldn't be worrying about or talking about words that don't really matter, words that bring ruin or destruction. And if I were to put it in maybe a more simple way, um, a lot of churches like ours, we put a, a statement out of what we believe. And they're really like a core... Um, theological or foundational things that we believe. And so if you're wondering, what are those for us? Well, I'll talk about them briefly, but if you, you, know, you go out, and out in the foyer, there's a what we believe little trifle thing. So you can grab that. It's also on the website, but I'll just go over a few of these. So what do we believe? What are things that are foundational, things that we really we don't have to argue in that we can agree on, right? And then everything else doesn't really matter a whole lot. <clears throat> the Bible, it's God's Word. It's inspired. It's holy. He's given it to us for our instruction. Nothing can be changed in it. The Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the Godhead, the virgin birth of Jesus, the value of human life and gender. It's a big issue right now. continues to be. We value human life in the way that God created either man or woman from the beginning. Salvation, where does it come from? It comes from what God has done for us through Jesus Christ on the cross, the resurrection of the saints, and then we have our ordinances, Lord's Supper, and baptism, which we believe in. Now, everything outside of that, you may come to uh, some sort of uh, different conclusion on another idea in the Scripture. You might think, I want to have a conversation about that. Well, that's okay. But Paul's saying, and God's wanting us to understand today, that there's a good and a right practice, and sometimes it's good to avoid certain words. Words that, what do they do? Well, the Scripture says words that ruin. What does that mean? The word here <clears throat> is catastrophe. You may have heard that word before. It's where we get our word for catastrophe. Now, and I don't know if you've been watching the news or um, maybe just the weather. This is hurricane season, and there's a lot of really bad hurricanes out there right now. One just hit Canada, I believe, uh, and then there's one that people are worried about that's on track for Florida. So uh, I was just looking at this, and they have different classifications of destruction for hurricanes. And Category 4, which is what they think it's going to get to, uh, is, uh, it has the word catastrophe by it. And it just, uh, just to highlight the amount of damage that it does. And so maybe if we were to think about the things that we say and the uh, <clears throat> words that we put out there, uh, we, we might think and go, hey, is there something I should or shouldn't say? Is what I'm saying uplifting? Is what it have to do with what we believe or not? Because some words can be really 
destructive. Okay? So that's one of the practices. And then in verse 15, we see another one. Daily presenting ourselves to God. It says in verse 15, Do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Um, <clears throat> so is this something we're thinking about? Like as we practice, because we put a lot of effort into like sports, um, into our jobs, um, into our families, and none of those things are bad things. But when we, it comes down to it, where are we really putting our, our main focus, what matters the most to us? Do your best, Paul says, to present yourselves to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed. <clears throat> it's kind of like this idea of the worker, he's out in the field and he's doing his thing, and, but maybe there's a time when the master's not watching. Maybe there's a time when he's like looking off the other way, and so the guy goes, I'm going to take a break. But what is God? Where is God? You know, we love talking to... Um, our kids about that because it's like this teachable moment of who is God, where is he? Well, he's everywhere at all times. And that just like, that blows our minds at times, doesn't it? Sometimes we just think, oh, well, he's, he doesn't really care. He doesn't really know what's going on, but he does. And we don't want to be like that guy who's he's working. And then he takes a slack hand because he thinks nobody's watching, right? We should always be working well for God, someone who doesn't need to be ashamed Matthew 6, 24, it says this, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Um, sometimes we think we can be in two different places, too, or we can maybe ride that fence of, well, I want to live a certain way here, but then I also want to be a Christian, and I always want to go to, I want to, go to church, too, and I want to get the benefits from that. But Paul here, he's, going, he's in jail, and he's going, like, the end is near soon, and I want to give you some perspective. So it matters how we pursue God and the practice that we have. So verses 6 through 18, I want to just give you a couple more ideas here because <clears throat> there's some things we need to not say, but also some untruth we need to avoid. Um, in verse 16, it says, But avoid irreverent babble, for we'll lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved <clears throat> from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith. Of some, so in sixteen, uh, he's coming back to these ungodly things. So, what are things that like we all think of things, right? Uh, that's why we have a filter. We think of things that maybe we should go. Maybe I shouldn't say that, right? And I know you're probably thinking of something right now or a situation you were in, and you're like, "Yeah, I chose not to say that," or "I did say that," and then for some reason it went badly. Maybe it wasn't a nice word. Uh, maybe it was something that was true. It just needed to, didn't need to be said in the moment. <clears throat> so that's why God gives us that ability to discern. And so this word here for Ivram Babel is Biblios Kenophia, and it just means worldly or empty chatter. Now, <clears throat> when we get together, um, God's not saying when we hang out, and we, we have time together, and we have fellowship, um, don't, don't, you know, small talk. Don't, hey, say, How, how's that going? Now, what are you, I was asking some of the kids who are coming in this morning, um, <clears throat> what are you looking forward to? Like, what's coming up next? What's going on for you? And we can talk about those things. That's not what God's saying. He's saying avoid irreverent babble, worldly, empty chatter. Now, there's a definition here for verse 17 because he's going to get more specific. And he's going, it's kind of like this gangrene. It's this word that <clears throat> spreads that's going to do a lot of damage. In fact, it's going to do so much damage. That I don't know if you've seen gangrene. Don't look it up. I know you have that ability right now on your phones. Uh, don't look it up, but uh, it's not a good thing. And so BlueLetterBible.com, um, <clears throat> it uh, summarizes it like this. 
gangrene, a disease by which any part of the body suffering from inflammation becomes so corrupted that unless a remedy be seasonably applied, the evil continually spreads and attacks other parts and and at last eats away the bones. Doesn't sound like a good thing, right? Doesn't sound like something we would want. And in the same way, there's a reason that God uses this word. He says, because this kind of talk spreads fast, right? There's a lot of effort involved in um, positive, encouraging, uplifting words. In fact, because at our, at our core um, and who we are, um, we're sinful, right? We're selfish. We don't always think of like, how can I help somebody else? How can I encourage somebody else? Um, and I love um, David because he's always got positive, encouraging wor- words for us. David Gray always comes up. He's got a smile on his face and uh, says something kind. I don't know. Yeah, I, I always does it. He has this ability to do it. And so uh, take from his example. But this is what we should be doing, right? We shouldn't be um, kind of walking in and going, what, what is the first thing that I see that I don't like? And I'm going to talk about that. <clears throat> so uh, Paul's going, hey, you know what? The cause of Christ, uh, it's important. And as we gather together, here's some things that we can do, and here's some things that we shouldn't do, right? So this continues on uh, with practice. <clears throat> so what happened? Well, there are a couple of guys here, and um, Paul doesn't really pull any punches. He doesn't go, yeah, there's some people who are doing this. <clears throat> he names names, right? And um, so we don't know a lot about these guys, but Hymenaeus and uh, Philetus, they were guys who were <clears throat> doing something. They were swerving from the truth, it says, um, saying that the resurrection had already happened. So they were upsetting the faith. Well, what were they doing? Well, <clears throat> they were coming to the church and going, hey, you know what? Uh, Jesus... He's already come back. Wow. Wait a second. <clears throat> we know he said he was going to do that. No, they were saying, no, no, no. <clears throat> he's back right now. Oh, wait a second. If he's back, then everything, it's just about like the spiritual stuff that's going on and we should quit our jobs. You know, <clears throat> don't worry about taking care of your family, right? All that stuff that's going to work itself out. But since that hadn't happened yet, they were upsetting the faith. And what was, what was happening was people were going, hey, you know, you, you should keep your job. You, you should keep doing this. You should, while the Lord tarries, while he waits to come back, we should focus on some of these things, right? So they were confusing people. And he's like, don't be like that. Don't say things that aren't true, right? Now let's stick to what we know. <clears throat> and then 19 says, but God's firm foundation stands bearing the seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. So <clears throat> what do we need to be focused on, right? Not irreverent babble, not saying things we know we shouldn't, being encouraging, not discouraging. And at the same time, we need to be taking every opportunity to recognizing evil. Like we're, we're not people who are um, walking into situations not knowing what the truth is, right? We should know what right and wrong are as believers. And so he says here, hey, you need to pay some close and special attention here. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. You need to walk away from it. Um, Joseph, you remember him in the Bible. Uh, he, uh, he was uh, a guy who had some misfortune, some bad things happened to him. So he got sold into slavery, and he finds himself, he's working his way up. He's in Potiphar's house, uh, and then Potiphar's wife is coming after him. She's like, hey, um, you know, it's kind of like we were talking about Sarah and Abraham this morning, Alex, who shared about that. And, and Abraham's like, uh, you know, you're beautiful, so I don't want to get you know, killed when we go to Egypt. So he made a bad choice there. But Joseph, in, a, in this situation, he, he's apparently attractive to Potiphar's wife, and so she's going, hey, I, I want you. So what happens? Joseph, he keeps, you know, he moves the advances away, but then he finds himself in the house, and what does he do, right? She comes after him, and he, he runs, and his cloak gets taken off on the way out, and she says, hey, he attacked me. 
What happens to Joseph? Well, he gets thrown in prison again, right? And so years go past. He, we know that he eventually moves into a solid place in Egypt and becomes second in command. But in the moment, doing the right thing is not always easy, is it? It's like he ran out and then he got, he, 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 hey, you did this. No, he didn't do anything. In fact, he did the right thing. A lot of times we think like, well, if I just always do the right thing, if I always do the right stuff, if I practice the right way, if I do what God wants me to do, then um, everything's going to be perfect always. And I'm never going to have any difficulty. But is that what happens? Not always. In fact, many times for doing the right thing for departing from iniquity, we get branded in some way. We get um, made fun of, right? So maybe what happened to Joseph didn't happen to you, but uh, nonetheless, Paul says, hey, I've been departing from iniquity since I found Jesus, and where has it landed me? In prison, right? So he's not saying, he's going, look at my circumstance, but we need to continue to do this departing from evil. And so that's the best practice. <clears throat> what about the best, the best use, right? This is the next one. The best use. Yes, this is Tom Hanks. He's drinking a uh, Dr. Pepper. You may know uh, where that's from. If you don't, that's okay. Um, but <clears throat> we need to be thinking about how do, we, how do we use things well, right? How do we use our lives well? Because there are some things that shouldn't be wasted, and a life is one of those, right? So you think about how you live life and what you do. It, it matters, right? Some people, they just spill their life out on the ground, right? They do what they want, they waste it, the bottle gets empty, you're at the end of your life, and it's like, you look back and you go, what was I doing? Like, why, why did I just live for myself? Why was I just focused on these things? <clears throat> why was I always negative? Why was I always hateful? Well, there's something we should be doing with our lives, and so this just kind of puts it in perspective for us. In verse 20, it says, now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable use. So the truth is, and it makes me sad sometimes too, some people, in fact, they'll choose to not believe in God, right? That's not up to us. Um, we can share our faith. We can live lives that are godly, but, but everybody has to make a choice, right? You either follow God or you don't. And I love this picture for a number of reasons, um, because you didn't know Dr. Pepper had originated in Texas. Not a big deal or anything. Um, it was my drink of choice for soda before uh, we were going only water, and occasionally I will, especially when we take a trip down to Texas, because they still have those little, they call them Dublin Dr. Peppers. Now, the reason for that is because they use the pure sugar cane, right? So they actually used to do that with, with most sodas. Uh, now it's just like all the artificial stuff, and you drink it, and you're like, uh, it's not the same, right? It's not quite the same. Uh, and so <clears throat> um, if you go there today, the little town of Dublin, Texas, you can still see one of the original bottling plants uh, for Dr. Pepper. And <clears throat> I thought about that because it's important, right? We can, you could take one of those, and one of the worst things you could do would be to dump it on the ground, right? That would be a waste. It would be a travesty, okay? Uh, what you should do with that, you should, you should drink it, enjoy it, right? God gives us wonderful and um, beautiful things in life to participate in and be a part of so that we go, God is great. He's awesome. Uh, and in the same way, Paul's going, don't waste it, right? If you are a vessel dedicated for honorable use. If you know God, if you belong to him, don't waste your life. In fact, John Piper wrote a book um, recently about that. If you've never read that, I would encourage you to read it. Um, I read it recently, and I'll have a few quotes for you today. Um, <clears throat> we can't control everybody else, right? If you see somebody else wasting it, going like, that person says they're a believer, but man, they could, they could be using some, uh, doing some better things with their time. Don't waste it, all right? And then verse 21 um, gives us a little bit more perspective. So we, because we need to know where we came from too, right? Um, 
if we came to know Jesus, then there's something that has changed, um, and it gives us perspective for those who don't know God either. So it says in verse 21, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. <clears throat> so we were separated from God at one point, weren't we? We didn't know God. And like when we came to know him as our Lord and, Lord and Savior, we, we started to see this bottle, if you will, a little bit differently, our lives, right? Um, that, that our lives are not just something to just be poured out like on whatever we want, on our selfish desires and doing what we want and gaining and attaining what we can, but to savor and enjoy God's goodness while we live this life. Um, I like what uh, <clears throat> John Piper said in his book, Don't Waste Your Life, which I just referenced. Um, he said, you don't have to know a lot of things for your life to make a lasting difference in the world, but you do have to know the few great things that matter, perhaps just one, and then be willing to live for them and die for them. The people that make a durable difference in the world are not the people who have mastered many things, but who have been mastered by one great thing. So the question is, are you ready? Um, when, we, when we think about our lives and like view ourselves, we know I, know I need to practice right, but, but, but how am I using my life? Like that matters. I can do these good things but, but how am I being poured out for God? When I, do I really see myself as an honorable vessel for God's purposes? And I wish that all of us would in the room because we're valuable. I don't know how many conversations I have with people and they're just like, I'm not worth anything. Like, do you belong to God? Then you're worth a whole lot, right? It's like not dumping out, don't dump out that Dublin Dr. Pepper, right? You need to drink that and savor it, you know, hang on to it, okay? Like our lives, they matter to God and um, he's got some direction for us, Okay. And so here's the last thing, the best pursuit, the best pursuit. Um, and so if you can see that picture, it's kind of small. It's trying to get a, um, a good one. But if you've ever been in one of these pursuits, it's not going to end well, right? This is a, this is a bad day, okay? Um, so God wants us to be in a certain type of pursuit, but not one of these. So verse 22 says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Um, so what kind of pursuit do we want to be involved in? Not one like this, right? This lands you uh, in jail, uh, most likely. Most people don't get away, right? Kids playing the video games, like you can get away, you know? Uh, you can't. <laughs> you can't get away. It's not going to work. Um, so what are we supposed to do, right? We need to be, um, number one, fleeing youthful passions and pursuing righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Um, and so it's something that at times it's difficult. Like when the Bible talks about youth, in fact, in First and Second Timothy, God, he lifts up the youth, and our kids got to share about that, our teenagers, uh, a couple of months ago, and um, just about not looking down on youth, right? So this is not what that's about, but there are certain things that come along with youthful passions and decision-making. In fact, I looked at an article about the frontal lobe of, uh, of a human beings' brain development that doesn't really fully form until 21, uh, and this is an article from... Uh, one of the websites I looked at, the government's website on like brain development, it's really cool. It says, from childhood, the brain's region-specific uh, neurocentric uh, area remains structurally and fun- functionally vulnerable until that age. Now, here's why it's a good thing to listen to your parents, <laughs> uh, because they may know more than you do. Their brains may be a little bit more fully developed. Um, sometimes you think they don't, right? Uh, our uh, second, Hannah, she, um, until up until recently, she, I would say, hey, you know, let's go and do this, or let's do that. And she'd be like, yes, Dad, yes, Dad. And recently she started going, no, 
No, I'm not doing that, right? I got a, I got a better idea than what you do. Well, <clears throat> in the same way, God's pointing this in this direction of going, hey, let's flee this. Let's get godly wisdom, counsel, instruction. So maybe it's not your parents. Maybe it's just um, like, a, like a friend or uh, maybe it's a youth leader, somebody that you can uh, rely on. But everybody needs somebody too. I think like um, as we read this, he's saying don't flee youthly passions, but everybody <clears throat> at any age can fall back into this place of going, you know what? I'm going to do what I want. You know what? I think I know best. And we do this to God all the time too, don't we? Right? It's not just, um, <clears throat> I know we think it's easy with like the toddlers. Yeah, that's a good example. They just say no. They don't know what they're talking about. That's going to end badly, right? Um, or, or the teen that will say, well, you know, I can, uh, I, can, I can speed. I can go as fast as I want down the road and there will be no consequences, right? That's where that lands you, all right? So it's not a video game. It's real life. <clears throat> John Piper said this, similar to this passage. He says, uh, <clears throat> he is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. So what do we need to be focused on, right? Not youthful passions, not the, this idea. And, and, and guys, you can be 50 years old and just be pursuing youthful passions, all right? It's not just about the young or about brain development, but, but, but God says, hey, spiritually, some of us, maybe some of you out there, <clears throat> you're going, I just don't understand why, man, things aren't coming together. I'm not making good choices. I'm just pouring all my life out on myself and I'm wasting it. Well, what are you focused on? You focused on God, glorifying Him, because when we are, man, we'll be satisfied in Him, right? We wonder why we're so unhappy, like all the time, because we're wasting it, right? We're dumping it out. So we got the right practice, the best practice, and the best use, and we've got the best pursuit. In verse 23, it says, having nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies, you know they breed, you know that they breed quarrels. Um, well, we were just talking about this last week um, with our deacons. Um, it's been such a uh, it's been such a difficult time. Like for the last several years for churches, there's been so much division um, and hatred, or just like fighting over like little stuff, right? We've been through so many things. Um, I think about doing uh, a lot of things in this space, like the renovation, that kind of stuff, um, that the church has been so great about. Not everybody agrees on everything, but when I think about unity and like what God has um, brought us through, um, just been kind of amazing to me that he's unified our hearts and minds. And, and while we won't agree on everything, um, I think when uh, God here is working through Paul and he's saying, hey, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies, you know that they breed quarrels. There's so many things that we fight about, right, that just don't matter <laughs> at the end of the day. Uh, we think about, like, the course of our life and um, what we will ponder and think about. I think about my Uncle Jimmy um, that will be with the Lord soon um, because I know he's a godly man. I know he's not thinking about, man, you know, I, <clears throat> I, uh, I wish I had spent a little more time doing this or, um, or working or focused on myself or doing this hobby. I was thinking about all the investment that he's made in the kingdom of God and in his family. And that's what we should be thinking about as well. So it kind of puts it in perspective for us, right? We think about those who we love, who know the Lord, been living faithfully. Um, what do they do? Ignorant controversies. They breed quarrels, right? So Paul says, hey, there's no point in that, right? I've, I've already about to, I'm about to pay the ultimate price for Christianity, what I believe in. Um, he says, let's, let's not do that. But what do we do? Well, in verse 24, it says, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone able to teach, patiently enduring evil. So what should our focus on? We'll be being kind to everyone. Well, that's hard because there's like people I don't like. <laughs> there's that person like I know you're already thinking. It's like, well, God, you weren't talking about my neighbor, right? Because 
it's really hard to be kind to them. They're not so nice up, you know, hours of the night, whatever it is. Or maybe you go to work and there's like that one person, you're like, oh, if they, I wish they were not here. And if I, <laughs> I know I'm supposed to be kind to them, but I really don't want to have to do that because they're not so nice to me. Well, <clears throat> what does it say here? To be kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. So what's one of the marks of a believer? Not just like I know everybody thinks about us and they're like, oh, they're just always going to be kind to everybody. They never get mad about anything or they never get frustrated. That does happen, right? It happens all the time. But what should we be doing in the moment, right? Being kind and then going, what's one of the objective evidences of our pursuit of God? That we patiently endure evil. Like when bad stuff's going on, when people treat us poorly, and I'm not saying there shouldn't be justice, right? There shouldn't be defense for things that are wrong that happen to us um, in the world, but what are we supposed to do? Patiently endure evil. And as a world looks at that and they go, man, their, their pursuit is different. Like they just handle things differently. Like when stuff happens, they're like, uh, man, like that is not the way I would respond. I mean, I would like, you know, blow up and turn this into a major deal. But what are we supposed to do? Patiently endure evil, right? And those things happen. And we know they're going to happen too. Next couple weeks, we'll get into that, um, that the world and everyone in it, right? People who don't know God, they're going to continue to pursue evil. And in the midst of that, we're supposed to be going, we're patiently enduring this evil that's going to take place. You know the good news is, as those things happen and they get worse, we go, hey, (laughs) Jesus is coming back. He's going to make all these things right. And in fact, as things get worse, we'll see in the next couple of weeks for believers, especially during this time, when the Bible was being written, uh, they were able to go, yeah, you're right, things are getting worse, but what is our perspective? We're patiently waiting. Um, God gives us the strength. And in verse 25, it says, correcting his opponents with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. <clears throat> so, What's one of the things we're supposed to be doing? Well, living in the world, uh, <clears throat> proclaiming truth. And that's not just uh, here in this place, right? We're supposed to go outside of this place and go, <clears throat> here's what God can do. Here's what God can do in your life. In fact, <clears throat> I know these things that you're struggling with right now. Maybe the answer is putting your faith and trust in God. <clears throat> and at the same time, we need to be careful too because we, when we look at the rest of the world, it's easy to go, yeah, bad, evil. You guys are doing wrong stuff. In fact, you know, we're awesome, right? Because <laughs> we're doing all the right stuff. No, um, <clears throat> we need to be careful, right? That we don't lose our humility in the midst of all of this, knowing that we have the truth, sharing the truth, not judging other believers or people that don't even know God, right? Because how are they supposed to know to act any differently? Um, we, need to, we need to be willing to offer a correcting notion um, but so that it might lead somebody to repent. And sometimes I, I feel like we're like, we're on the winning team. Like, that's our perspective. So, yeah, forget all you guys. <laughs> you know, you're not. But what should our perspective be? That, what? Repentance leading to a knowledge of truth might take place. And that they may come to their senses, escaping from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Uh, Augustine, who's a church father, said it this way. In correction and repression of another man's sins, one must take heed that in rebuking another, he does not lift himself up. That's hard to do, isn't it? Right? And it's easy for us to have this wrong perspective because we see so many not good things happening, right? I mean, in all this um, struggle of like gender identity and uh, life or not or pro life, I saw, oh man, I saw another poster. 
I just shouldn't, shouldn't look at the stuff. It makes me upset. I saw um, another poster, the pro-life, or the, the pro-life generation. So I thought, well, um, okay, or the pro-choice generation. I've seen both of those. And again, it makes me, it makes me sad that like, we, would, we would even label like a culture or a generation, one that would say, hey, taking of, of billions of lives is cool, right? It's, it's not cool. Right, and so um, when we see those kind of things, it's evil. Think, oh, those are evil and wrong. And then, especially when people like lash out against us, like there's been, I mean, the, like the abortion clinics or the, um, the the pro-life clinics that like people will attack or like you know vandalize, and somehow no attention gets given to that. And we go, what are we supposed to do? Patiently enduring evil for what purpose? Well, we're not supposed to lift ourselves up, right? We're supposed to go, man. This is how people in a lost world are going to react. They're going to hear the truth. And they're going to lash out, right? They don't understand it. They don't believe it. They love themselves and their sin more. But it's hard for us to take that perspective um, that we would care enough for the rest of the world that at times really hates us to go, you know, my real desire for them is that I would live my life in such a way, not only being an example, but also offering encouragement and truth and correction saying, hey, look, right? People think like the answer for Christians, for believers to go, just don't say anything. Just bury your head in the sand, and everything will get better. Well, we already know from what the Scripture says, things are going to get worse. So what are we supposed to do? Encourage, lift up, build up, but don't hide the truth either, right? Paul says, let's offer that word of encouragement so that maybe those who are lost, hearing the truth, would come to a saving knowledge of God. Um, Here's another quote here uh, by um, John Piper out of Don't Waste Your Life. He said, the greatest cause in the world is joyfully rescuing people from hell meeting their earthly needs, making them glad in God, and doing it with a kind, serious pleasure that makes Christ look like the, the treasure uh, that he is. Um, <clears throat> sometimes, and it's hard, I think sometimes we have this perspective that, you know, we go, well, like, yeah, man, they, they are wrong. They're acting wickedly. And I've even heard people say this before, and shame on us if we do. Um, well, you know, they're going to get what they deserve. And I'm like, what? who do we think we are, right? We were lost and separated from God. We deserve to be separated from God. But what did he do for us? He goes, no, hey, here, I'm going to extend grace to you. So does the rest of the world deserve that? Yeah. The scriptures tell us that, that Jesus died for everyone, everyone that will put their faith and trust in him. So what should the, what should the joy, what should the greatest cause of our life be? Well, not only living out our faith, right? Practicing it, using it well, not dumping it out on the ground and not wasting it, because, I mean, what's the point, right? You only live once, so are you going to do that, or are you going to use it for God? Um, are you really sold out? And then um, the best pursuit, we can be in a lot of pursuits in our life, but uh, really, where does that greatest joy come from? Like, walking around knowing that, like, hey, we're, we're saved. Like, we're going to heaven. We're, we are separated. We, you know, we've got the good news. We've got the gospel. It's a part of our lives. But there's a lot of people out there that don't know Jesus, and they're going to be separated from him. And although... This notion is not a popular idea, um, hell, that many people like to discount today. The question is, are, you know, are we going to be serious about it? Are we going to say, you know what? <laughs> like Paul said, hey, we're, we're no better, right? We shouldn't lift ourselves up and go, hey, because we're awesome, because Jesus knows us and we're on the team, um, we're going to get to go to heaven. No, <laughs> even Paul from his prison cell, he's going, hey, here's the way we need to live it out, but tell the truth, use your life well, Okay. I would hope that we would not be wasting this life that God has given us. There'll be a day, and we'll stand before God, but there'll be a day before that we'll be maybe on our bed going, 
this might be the end. And man, I would really, would really hate that like any of us would think, man, I wasted it. I wasted it. So um, let's use it well. What I'd like to do for us is just, you know, if you're listening online or you're here in person and um, you've heard this and you're like, I don't really know that I even know that. Like I've never put my faith and trust in Jesus. We know it's as simple as this. Admit you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is who he said he was, that he died on the cross for our sins. The scripture tells us if we would confess with our mouths that he's the Lord of our lives, then we would be saved. And you can enter in this life. You can stop wasting it on everything else that the world has to offer. And you can use it well, knowing Jesus. And so if that's you, you've never made that decision, um, I'll be here afterwards. I'd love to talk to you about it. Uh, reach out to us online if that is you there. And, and what I'd like to do is kind of like last week, is just give us some time to pray. I feel like we're so busy, right? We, we're like, uh, I got to get to this next thing or I got to do that. And there's just not time. Um, so I'll just take time now. It'll take a few minutes, probably two if I had to guess. It won't be long. Um, but I want to just lead us in that. And so um, let's enter into that. And I would like us just to pray first, um, just to ask God, um, that we, he would help us to practice daily belonging to him. So let's do that for a few moments. And the next thing that God would uh, use us well, our life, our time, our attention, our money, everything that we have, uh, let's ask God to use that well. And the last thing, that God, you'd help us to be diligent, to pursue you daily. Ask him that he would help us to please him only uh, so that the world around us might, uh, might know him. Uh, God, we come to you today. We ask you that you help us. Uh, we can't do this on our own. In, in thinking about how we're evaluated, what you want us to do with our lives, this work that's approved by you, God, I pray that we'd be about practicing <clears throat> what honors you. Uh, God, that uh, as the way that we live our lives, I, gotta, I pray that right now, um, before it's too late, that any of us in the room, if maybe we've been Wasting our time. Maybe we've been focusing on things that um, just don't matter. Maybe we've been using a lot of words that just don't matter. I pray that you would help us. Let us use our lives well. Um, use the things that we do well. And then, God, this pursuit of our lives. Um, God, we just pray you make us diligent. Help us to please you um, only. Let us just be concerned about that. This uh, value that you've given to us, that our lives and this time we have here. Um, that it would be about something more than just us. Um, God, that we might enjoy you um, in this life, um, that that might push us to do everything else um, that you have for us, this work that you've already prepared and that you've approved of. I pray that we walk in that. Um, help us, give us a better picture of that as we 
um, finish out um, Second Timothy and the series that we've been in. And uh, to your name we pray. Amen. Uh, love you, church. Hope you have a wonderful day. And um, as you get rained on, but enjoy, enjoy, enjoy it, okay? And God, right? Love you.